Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to another video. So if you haven't guessed already by the title of this one, it's going to contain spoilers for Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. So only keep watching if you don't care or if you've seen the movie, which I assume you're coming to this channel and it's been about 3-4 weeks now since the movie's been out, you've probably seen it. In Episode 9, the Emperor Darth Sidious himself returns to haunt the galaxy, we all know this, and he threatens it with eternal subjection under the Sith name. And like in the previous episodes, Sidious relies not just on the power of the dark side to rule, but also on the power of technology and military might, which I don't see always have thought it was pretty interesting. Vader is the guy who grew up around tech and building it, despised military might and the Death Star for all it represented, in part because he felt technology was inferior to the Force. But Palpatine embraced the Death Star, Death Star II, Starkiller Base, and now the Sith fleet that he builds on Exegol in Episode 9. So I ask, between Vader and Sidious, which trusted more in the power of the Force? It's a question for another video, I think, but something I can't help but ask here, so let me know in the comments. In Episode 9, Sidious reveals that during his convalescence and hiding on the Sith homeworld of Exegol, he and his followers have built a massive fleet and navy of Sith Star Destroyers and legions of troops. And in the movie, the visuals are pretty cool. Hundreds of Star Destroyers break from the icy depths of the planet, they rise into the air like a swarm ready to kill. While it's impressive, how in the galaxy did Palpatine manage to build all these ships, crew them up, and hide them without anyone else in the galaxy knowing? While we don't have any in-depth backstory yet, of course, as to how he did this, we begin to learn the answer in the Rise of Skywalker Visual Dictionary, which contains canon information about the movie. First off, Exegol was in the Unknown Regions, so basically unless you already know how to get there, you weren't finding this planet. Second, the new fleet, it was huge. It was hundreds of ships strong. It's important to know that even though the First Order fleet was the most powerful fleet in the galaxy at this time, it was still a fraction of the Imperial Star Fleet at its height. So when the First Order fleet becomes bolstered by new ships and crews readied by Palpatine, it steps closer to the Empire's impressive might. Plus, each ship is basically a mini Death Star, so that's pretty cool. Each of these Sith destroyers is equipped with an axial laser, which is connected directly to the ship's main reactor and releases its energy into a singular point, which has so much power that it can destroy an entire planet. In the movie, we see one destroy the planet, Kijimi. So did Palpatine build these ships himself? The answer is no. In fact, Palpatine probably did very little since he was trying to regain his strength. It was a group called the Sith Eternal that did all of this under his direction. 
I'm going to get into the Sith Eternal more in another video as well, but basically, to make it short in this one, they're a group of people that are devoted to the Sith and their rule in the galaxy. They're just groupies. They are based on the planet Exegol and have been supporting the Sith for generations, not just since Palpatine's return. Okay, they're like very loyal groupies, I should say. The ship's construction was made possible by the presence of Sith loyalists with the executive boards of Senior Jamis and Kuat and Trala, shipbuilding companies, which allowed the clandestine funneling of supplies and designs to Exegol through various intermediaries. The First Order Dreadnought was a test project that informed the Zeistan-class Star Destroyer design, also known as the Sith Destroyer. The company Sinar Jamis made the TIE Dagger, which is an impressive upgrade on the old TIE Fighter, with a cool new pointed design. Like TIEs of old, they are short-range fighters but boast impressive speed, maneuverability, and their sheer numbers overwhelm any attacking force. Kuat and Trala Engineering made the Zeiston class, that's X-Y-S-T-O-N, class Star Destroyer with its planet-killing axial super laser. So while these corrupt shipbuilders and Sith loyalists begin to explain how they built the ships, how did they man them? Well, they actually didn't require huge crews. These ships were highly efficient, and get this, they were autonomous monsters that required far less crew than the traditional First Order or Imperial Star Destroyers, but the crews they did need came directly from the population of Exegol. In the movie, it seems like that planet only has Palpatine and his followers, but in reality, the planet is home to a population that is and always has been loyal and supportive of the Sith. Here I read from the Visual Dictionary. The Sith troopers were beyond loyal. The Empire spent decades attempting to strip individuality from its soldiers in order to create fervently loyal extensions of the Emperor's will. Much trial and error had occurred during the Clone Wars, with Darth Sidious dismayed to discover the genetically engineered soldiers still exhibited disconcerting amounts of free will despite their numerous alterations. Though Sith troopers are not clones, they undergo flash imprinting and loyalty conditions, built upon advanced, beyond communion procedures of earlier generations. This makes them far more loyal and machine-like than even the trained from childhood stormtroopers of the First Order. The best of the Sith troopers are elevated to the rank of Sovereign Protector, forming a cadre of elite royal guards stationed in the amphitheater housing the throne of the Sith. The Sith troopers are organized into legions, using the ancient definition of 5,000 soldiers. These are numerically identified, but also give the name of an ancient Sith Lord. As this story was hidden from the rest of the galaxy, only the Sith Eternal Cultists know the significance of these names. Some notable legions were the Revan Legion, the Andido Legion, Tannis Legion, Tenebris Legion, who, in Legends, was Darth Plagueis' master, the Phobos Legion, and the Desilaus Legion. Coordinating the maiden flight of the Sith fleet are crews of young officers and technicians who have trained their whole lives for this moment of triumph. The thousands of personnel from Exegol were raised as children of the Sith Eternal Cultists, taught to revere the power of the dark side, even if they themselves could not harness it, and accept the brutal truth of existence that, might for might's sake, is the ultimate end. Though the First Order rank and file often speak of destiny, it is the Sith Eternal Officers who have taken this philosophy deepest to heart, feeling the galaxy is theirs by cosmic right. So, Exegol seems to have played a bigger part in the history of Sith that we ever thought was possible. It's literally like an entire planet of Sith loyalists that are raised to support the Sith in their machinations throughout the galaxy. Now, I can't help but wonder why didn't Palpatine use them to destroy the Jedi in the first place? Why did he have to do the Clone Wars when he could have just built his own fleet and destroyed the Jedi and the armyless Republic that way? 
most simple answer, I think, is that he would still have to hunt down all the Jedi across the galaxy. With the clones, he would just be able to get the assassinations right next to them with little to no problems. Just Order 66 and that's it. In fact, this is a big reason given in the Legends book Darth Plagueis. However, it still seems odd that Palpatine never used them either during the reign of the Empire. Well, perhaps he did, and we'll learn about those stories later. I'll be excited to hear them. So, what do you guys think of how Palpatine built his secret navy? Why do you think he waited to use them now? Or do you think he was building them from the time he quote-unquote died to the point where we saw him in The Rise of Skywalker? Maybe it took that long. Let me know down in the comments below. Let me know what you liked or hated about the film. Hope you enjoyed this video and this explanation from the book. Have an awesome rest of your day, and I'll see you in the next one. Until then, remember, the Force will be with you always.